He died for you. He died for me. From our sin, He set us free. He loved us so. His life He gave. So if we ask, we can be saved. Hello, I'm Rick Hurtless, founder of His Gospel Power. Thank you for joining with us once again today on our program. We are still in the book of First Peter, the second chapter, and uh, I'm excited again that we are in the last day's study. I just enjoy these last day's studies as we continue, and, and mainly, I think it's because you can look in the news and be able to see Scripture coming alive, come, uh, unfolding, and of course, now some of that you see unfolding before your eyes is not all that pretty, but that's Scripture. Scripture tells us what will happen, the things that will happen, and some of them may not be that pretty, but that's because of sin in the world. That is because of the things that happen in the world of disobedience. Those who disobey God, we talked about that yesterday, of those who will disobey God and uh, instead of following what He would have for us to do. And that is the big part of Scripture that makes this all come to pass to where actually the reason that Jesus had to come in the first place was because of the sin that entered into the world, and then Jesus came into the world so that he was the sacrifice for all, so that we might have eternal salvation through the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Well, we're in First Peter, second chapter, the 11th verse. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. You see, are we supposed to remove ourselves from the pagans? No. The Bible does say that we are in the world but not of the world. And some, I think, take this to a degree that says, see, we're not supposed to live around the pagans. Well, if that's true, how can we be salt? How can we be the salt of the earth? Uh, If you put the meat on the grill, and you put the salt shaker uh, in the kitchen, and the and the, the salt never reaches the meat, well, how is the meat going to become salty? It's not. You have to put the salt with the meat in order for it to become, to make that flavor come out. Well, that's exactly what we have to do as Christians. We have to be the salt of the world, so that the world can see us and be convicted that what they are doing is not according to God, and then come to God so that they might spend eternity in heaven with God. Now, we are not to join the world. That's what that's what happens different, is that many of the churches think that we should join the world and do what the world is doing. And I think the church is ineffective, at least in America right now, Because instead of coming out and being separate from the world and showing how we are supposed to live as Christians, we are, the churches are looking like the world. We have all the, the glitz, the glamour, the music, the lights, uh, everything, but we don't have the truth of Jesus Christ. Many of the churches have replaced the truth of Jesus Christ with the glitz and glamour of the world. And to be quite honest with you, most of the glitz and the glamour of the world can be done better by the world. Because they're more attuned to that. 
what we have to give them that would be life-changing is the truth of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in an abundant life that they cannot understand because the abundance of our life is not in material possessions. It's not in cars and houses and buildings and, and money in the bank. The, the abundant life that we have is the peace of God that passes understanding that resides within us each and every day, no matter the adversity that we're heading through. Well, Ron Stortle is in the studio with me once again today. Dear friends, I urge you to be aliens and strangers. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. What do you think, Ron? Well, I think in verse 11, where it says abstain from sinful desires, that is one of the biggest things that dumbfounds the world about Christians. First off, why do we not just lavish ourselves in sin? And then, because we don't, why? how are we able to resist that? I don't think the world gets it. Because, first off, they want to know, well, why do you care whether you're do the they don't see it as sin they just see it as acts first off they they question us well why why do you care whether you do them or not isn't it isn't it fun or won't you have a good time doing this and then the second one is how do we resist it it's it's just so confusing to the world that they don't get it on where we get the strength and the power to do it from and and then actually and the truth of the matter is some don't now, at that point, I have to, some who call themselves Christians, I should say, don't. And, of course, at that point, you have to say, if it becomes their pattern. Now, once again, we talked yesterday about Paul talking in chapter uh, chapter 7 about uh, that we would, you know, the things I want to do that I don't do and the things that I don't want to do, I do anyway. So that's one thing. But I'm talking about your pattern. Is your pattern to continually sin? If your pattern is to continually sin, then the chances are you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if that is your pattern, you continue to do that. Well, and you're walking around saying you're a, a you are a uh, a Christian. Well, the world is looking at you and saying, well, if that's what a Christian is, then there's no need to worry about it because I'm they're doing the same things that I am. Many churches are doing that right now. I mean, they're accepting homosexual marriage. They're accept, accepting all accepting all of these things. A lot of them are doing a really good job of the shows, like the world do. And so the the uh, the the world says, well, you know, we can just go there for free entertainment, even though they'll still go to the world and pay fifty, sixty, a hundred dollars for a ticket to go see even better entertainment that the world puts on. They can go to at least they can go to that uh, in the meantime. Go to that church who puts on good entertainment for free, but they don't they don't preach the truth. And without the truth, all of that entertainment is empty. It's nothing. It's burning. It's going to burn in the fire. I think one of the biggest problems I see with church going people these days is that the world doesn't know what they are either way. They may just look at them as good people because they're not expressing their Christianity. It's one thing to be a good person and be a Christian, but you need to be a Christian that the world knows you are a Christian, not just because you act good, 
but because you are actually expressing your Christianity. And there are some, and this is where the, the problem comes with those who believe, well, like I believe, if you're saved once, you're saved, okay? You can't lose your salvation. I believe that. But the problem comes in that theology is that where many have would walk down the aisle in, let's say, a Baptist church, because I preach a lot in Baptist churches. Um, but let's say a Baptist church. They walk down the aisle, and they say with their lips, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And then they walk out of the church, and they walk back to their bars, or they walk back to their booze, or they walk back to their girlfriend, or whatever, and their life did not change. Well, that means that they confessed with their lips, but they didn't believe in their heart. It's a twofold thing that has to happen. Well, so what um, many believe that that's why this once saved, always saved doctrine is so dangerous because you're teaching, look, all you have to do is go down there and confess Jesus, you're saved. You can go back and do whatever you wanted to. Well, Romans, Paul addresses this in Romans chapter 6, verse 15. He says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Do you see what he's saying is that if you go down with your lips and confess Jesus is Lord, but then do not truly believe it in your heart, you're not saved. You do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you look back on your life five years ago, and for some it could even just be yesterday, let's say five years ago, and your life is the same as it was five years ago, you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. If nothing has changed in your life, you do not know Jesus. If you are not growing, if you're not seeing some kind of growth, there is something wrong in your life. If my granddaughter, I love my granddaughter, my great-granddaughter, she's the sweetest thing, she's the apple of my eye, and we joke all the time, why can't they just stay little? Because she's so sweet. But I'm going to tell you right now, if next year, the year after, the year after that, she still is, looks like this and doing like this, I'm going to be really worried. I'm going to be concerned. There's something wrong. She's not growing. She's not doing what's supposed to be done. It's the same thing in your spiritual walk. If you say that you have accepted Jesus Christ in your life, are you growing? If you are not growing, then there's a problem. There is something in your... Chances are you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I, th I think it really comes down to what can be described as your motivation. Because I, I fully agree with you, there is false salvation. People are just giving lip service because they think that if they just go down there and say it, they're going to be free from all this. Not with the right motivation of wanting to have a relationship with Jesus. They do it because they think, well, if I just go down here and say this, I'm going to be free of all these things that I've done in the past, and my life will change. Well, no, that's not the right motivation. Your motivation should be to have a relationship at which point he will be your advocate to help fix your life, not I'm doing this because it's automatically going to fix my life. So yes, your motivation for the salvation prayer is what really matters. So if you have the uh, the wrong motivation, your life isn't going to change because the steps aren't being taken correctly. The confession of your sin has to lead to repentance. Just confessing your sin, knowing that you are never 
Uh, I mean that you're that you're never going to forget that sin. You're going to re- keep returning to it. It's like a dog returning to its own vomit. It's just gonna it's it's just gonna keep on happening. You're you're confessing that sin uh, in your mind just to get the guilt off your back, but knowing in your heart you're just gonna go do it again. You and you don't care. Well, that's not repentance. That does not lead to eternal salvation. Repentance is you turn to Jesus and allow him to lead you. Now, I want to read this again because it talks about being a slave. Well, that's not a very good word in American culture, especially today. I mean, that's that word's really getting beat up. But you know what? In the, in the uh, scripture, that is an awesome word. Did you see what he said? He said that... Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. You see, you're going to be a slave to someone. You're either a slave to Satan or you're a slave to Jesus. That's the bottom line right there. Are you going to be a slave to Christ? Are you going to be a slave to Satan? If you are just easing your conscience, by going and confessing a sin with no no uh, possibility of repentance that you're going to you know you're just going out tomorrow to do the same sin and good with that thinking hey okay I just confessed that I'm good with that we can do it again next week well if that's the way you're living number 1 that's a works doctrine and you can't be saved by works for it is by grace we have been saved through faith it is a gift of God not of works lest anyone should boast so you got to be saved by grace but number two, if you confess this Sunday, uh, and you, and that's the life you're living, leading, and you're living by works, then you die on Monday, <laughs> you're in trouble. Because you haven't had time to confess. You see, that's why the works doctrine doesn't work. It has to be the grace doctrine, but the only way to receive grace is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and accept all of what he has to offer you, which is freedom from sin, freedom from committing that same old sin, freedom from being slaves to sin. You are no longer slaves to sin. You are living the abundant life of John 10.10. I know we discussed this. It was either last week or the week before. Now, this slavery term is derived from a a voluntary slavery. Right. It's not a subjective slavery. That's right. So you're either going to voluntarily be a slave, which actually has benefits to God, or you're going to be a voluntary slave to Satan, which has repercussions of it. And, and the truth of the matter is, Satan, you are a, you, that is not voluntary. He does not want to let you go. That's why he fights tooth and nail for you not to come to Christ. Now, that being said... Once you have given your life to Jesus Christ, in my belief anyway, from what I read in the scriptures, from the fact that you are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, you cannot be taken away. Then at that point, you have made your decision and you can't revert back. You, you can no longer, you are a slave to Jesus. That's why he uses the slave word, I believe, is because at that point, you are, you are now a bond servant, it says, and a bond servant of, in, in the word, when it talks about a bond servant, they can't leave their master. They are there for life. And so that's why I think it's so important that once you understand that you are a bond servant. Now, the same goes, however, for Satan. 
Because if you reject Christ, we we talked about that this week. If you finally reject Christ all the way and you become a bond servant to Satan, then neither can you ever return to Christ again. You are now in the position you're going to be in eternity. Well, the reason I say it was voluntary to be a slave to either God or Satan, if you're living in sin and you haven't chosen salvation, you're voluntarily right. staying, well, staying in that sin. That's right. No, you're, and no, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with yeah. you. I'm absolutely agreeing with you that yes, this is a voluntary servitude, but once you have given that servitude to Christ, you can't change your mind. It just, God won't let you. He says that you are sealed. Now, if you can be sealed by the devil and you can't come back to God, how much more powerful is God? If you are sealed by God, he's not letting you go back to the devil because he knows what's best for you and what's best for you is God. And so he will not let you go. That's just the long and the short of it. Now, so that's why I keep saying, if you're not living according to Christ and you've been calling yourself a Christian for 10 years, you don't know Jesus. That's the bottom line. It's time to repent and get on your knees and say, Jesus, come into my heart. Change me into the person you want me to be. Help me to grow in the name of Jesus Christ. And I I uh, repent. I turn from all of that sin that I have been committing. And now I want to be a bond slave to you, a bond servant to Jesus. Verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king, supreme authority, or to the governors who are sent by them to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Okay, we talked about this a little bit, uh, was it yesterday or the day before, about if there's the laws of the land that do not go against God, you're supposed to submit yourself to every authority instituted among men whether to the king, the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent to punish those who do wrong. Now, see, I think that's the key here. They're they're sent to punish those who do wrong. But once wrong becomes right and right becomes wrong, which it is right now, then we still have to adhere to God's law. We're going to have to stand. There's a song, you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. That's exactly, you've got to stand for God or you've got to stand for Satan. You, and there's another song that says, uh, you got, you can serve the devil and it might, you might serve the devil and it might be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. You're going to serve somebody. That's all there is to it. That's the way it is, whether you like it or not. Well, Joshua 24:15 says, choose you this day whom you will serve. You only have two choices in this world. You're either going to serve God or you're going to serve Satan. If you're not serving God, then by default, you are automatically serving Satan. And that's where, like we talked about a couple of days ago, there's going to be a lot of good people in hell because they were good, but they still refused to serve God. So at, by default, they're going to fall to Satan. And it's strange to me. There are those who believe, really, they're just going to fall asleep and go into oblivion. Now, for me, that's a miserable existence to think that i'm just going to small fall asleep and then i'm never going to know anything again i mean i'm just done well i can't understand however if you believe that 
then why do you worry about this life at all? Why do you worry about not just living it for everything this life has, whether it be all the women, all the cars, all the money, everything that you could, whatever your your lust desires, uh, why would you not just do that? Why would you care about the good? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because in Romans chapter 1, we've talked about this before, God has put a piece of himself into every person so that they are without excuse. They know there is a God. And they know there's going to be a reckoning as well. So even those who, that's just whatever, that's just to make them feel themselves feel better or whatever. For me, it doesn't make me feel better. If I'm just going to go to sleep and fall into oblivion, that really doesn't make me feel good, better. But for those people, I guess, who do not want to have a reckoning, maybe that makes them feel better. Maybe that's why they do that. Well, I know with a lot of people, there's, there's the old saying, if you tell yourself a lie long enough, eventually you'll believe it. I think that's what a lot of them are. Atheists, those people, they, I think they think as if they tell themselves that long enough, eventually they'll believe it so that they don't have to believe anything else and then they'll become comfortable with it. What is the only thing that keeps people from accepting God, whether they're atheists or pagans or any other type of religion? It's accountability. They don't want to be accountable to anybody but themselves. So, therefore, they reject God and accept a belief of self-love, which we've talked about those scriptures before. In the end times, people will become lovers of themselves. Yes, it's because they don't want to be accountable to anybody. And that's what I get when I talk to most people that aren't saved. They just don't want accountability. They want to be able to do what they want and not be subject to anything. Well, remember, we talked in Second Thessalonians just recently, a few weeks ago. Uh, in Second Thessalonians ver- uh, chapter 2, verse 10, it says, They perish because they refused to love the truth and be saved. Did you, they refused, okay? Not that they were, not that they were duped into it. They refused. They knew the truth. They refused to love the truth and be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. Exactly what you just said. And, and in fact, it's really, they have lied to themselves. You, you, boy, you put a nail right, a, a fine point right on the nail. They have lied to themselves for so long that they, they, eventually they can't come back. They, they can't even recognize the truth. God says he gives them a delusion. What was the, what is the delusion? The delusion is that the lie they've been telling is actually the truth. And so they they believed it so much now they can't come back. That's like politics these days. Yes. 30 million people fell for the lies of Hillary Clinton because they kept getting it pounded into their heads for so long that by every major news network that eventually they thought it was the truth because that was the only thing they heard. And 30 million people voted for her. That's, that's scary. Well, and they're still duped. They still believe in, uh, that they were they were beat and they were cheated or whatever. They still think that she's the greatest thing that ever happened. And if anybody's wondering why I only said 30 million when supposedly right. she got 50 million. Yeah, because. Because they've proven that 20 million of those were fake. So if you're if you're screaming at the radio right now going, well, she got 50. No, 
She twenty million right. of those were fake, so she only got thirty. So, right. so I, I wasn't confused when I said that. Absolutely. So you know, it's it's just the pretty soon you believe you 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 speak the lie long enough, you begin to believe the lie. Especially once you know we're forgetful human beings anyway. So you can speak that lie for ten, twenty. 25, 30 years, and you really can't remember what the truth, that's the delusion. That's the, you have now believed the lie for so long, that, I believe that's the delusion that God gives you. You can't go back and remember what he has said. Um, let's continue, let's continue. Okay, I want to jump back here because I really kind of got ahead of myself, uh, for a moment there. I want to, want to finish off that verse 12. I really didn't, get to because it says live such good lives even though we read this we didn't get into it live such good lives among the pagans that that though they accuse you of doing wrong they may see your good deeds and glorify god on the day he visits now that does not mean they're going to be saved it does mean though according to philippians that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that jesus is Lord, I'm going to read to you Philippians 2, verse 6. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Of course, we're talking about Jesus here. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that was above every name, that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So because of you, they're going to, if you're living according to Christ now, if you're living the way Christ would have you, because of you on that day when Jesus returns, they're going to see that, wait a minute, the truth that you were telling really was the truth. And they exchanged that truth for a lie. And, of course, at that point, they, there will, uh, they will be judged and they will be sent to, to the place they have chosen to go, which will be hell. But they will understand why. Because they will understand that they believe the lie rather than the truth that you were saying. Because it says that they accuse you of doing wrong that may see your good deeds. And glorify God when? On the day he visits us. Well, this one portion of the verse where it says they're going to accuse us of doing wrong, that's clarified in Isaiah 5.20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We can look at that in America right now. Absolutely. Abortion, homosexuality. Anything that a Christian does that is deemed wrong by society, it fulfills these two verses. So we're being accused of doing wrong, even though it's spiritually right. That's right. I mean, we don't, uh, we do not agree with homosexual marriage. We're now we're called a bigot. We don't agree with abortion. We're we're called intolerant. Uh, we don't we we think that we should you know that we we pray to a god. Then uh, you know we're called crazy for that matter. In some in some cases, we call Islam a religion of hate, and we're right. called racist. That's right. We're even though racist. they even though they don't know that Islam is a religion and not a race, so they don't even know what they're talking about. Right. Exactly. So there's so many things that that uh, is already is really being fulfilled in these last days. 
See, that's why people keep saying, well, we've heard about all of this since the beginning of time, right? You've heard that. Oh, well, you know, where is this coming? We've talked, we've discussed that in the, in the, uh, in this study. The Bible says, where is this coming that we've heard about since the beginning of time? It's not happening. Somebody's, you know, somebody's lying to you guys. Well, no, it's just that now is coming to the end, actual end of days that it talks about in Matthew chapter 24. We are seeing the chronology here and we're beginning to get to the end where we're seeing all of the things happen and it are all being fulfilled. Scripture after scripture after scripture. Uh, Ron just read you one right there that when you see good called evil and evil called good, I don't remember this ever happening. Do you, uh, do you remember ever good was evil and evil was good? I do not remember any time that has ever happened. It was never called good, even though it was taking place. Exactly. No, it was, uh, I'm saying it happened, but exactly. It was never, especially from God, a quote unquote God fearing nation. Right. Where they're looking at evil saying, Oh, well, that's not evil. That's good. And from the point of view from the church, your failure to acknowledge it is basically an acceptance of it. That's right. So if you attend a church, that they don't speak out against these things, they're condoning it because they're refusing to acknowledge it. So if the church is thinking, well, if we just don't address it, then we won't get in trouble for it, they're just as bad as those that are condoning it. No, absolutely. Maybe even worse because because the uh, uh, the admission of omission, God's going to hold accountable. He He wants us to tell. You can't tell the truth with only part of the truth. It can't happen. You can't tell half of the truth. It's If you tell half of the truth, it's still a lie. If you are using political correctness, it is still a lie because you are not proclaiming the truth. You're calling what is a lie the truth. So political correctness in itself is a lie because it's only a half truth. And that's why they had to come up with a new term for it. It's political correctness. It's not the truth. If political correctness was the truth, they could have just stuck to the word truth, but they had to come up with a new name because it isn't the truth at that point anymore. That's a great point. I mean, so so we are seeing those days. We're living those days. We're living in the last days. Look up, understand, open your eyes, open your ears, open your spiritual eyes. Pray to God. Ask him what you are to do in these last days to give him glory for all that he has done to be able to, to uh, share the goodness of Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world. Thank you for joining with us once again today. It has been exciting to uh, to be with you in your car or your living room or wherever you're listening to this broadcast. Next week, we will continue in First Peter, and we will probably start once again in verse 13, even though we, we talked a little bit about that today. I want to hit it again. So, Thank you so much for joining with us. Make sure you go to our website, hisgospelpower.org, or uh, uh, our iTunes or Google apps. And thank you once again for, for listening to us. If you'd like to donate, you can just click on that Donate button on the His Gospel Power website. Thank you once again for joining with our broadcast. I, I know that Ron is saying the same thing over here. He's saying, say thank you for me, and I, I know that that is the truth. So uh, God bless you in these last days. Look to Jesus. Walk in power. Know that you have the power of the Holy Spirit residing within you. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. Until next time, I pray you receive His gospel power. 
today. My life was flying by. I always wondered why. I was so empty deep within. But then you came to me and let my spirit see. And you forgave me of my Show. 